Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. I have just fallen out of bed, put on some baggy pants, and have covered up my greasy hair with a backwards cap to cover the number four film on the 50 best rom-coms list, Clueless. I'm thrilled to welcome in first-time guest and fashion guru, Sharon Davies. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Uh, for this conversation, are you wearing your knee-high socks today? I, I wish I wish I was. I, I couldn't find my yellow plaid suit to wear. I really wish I had that. <laughs> that, that, that is an amazing suit for, for sure. I was reading about this movie and a lot of people thought that maybe a lot of the budget was spent on all the clothes and the costume designer said she uh, actually uh, did a lot of the shopping at local malls because she wanted them to look rich but like make it realistic that they, they just went to a shopping mall to get all the stuff but they said the biggest item for sure was that uh the highest price item was that <laughs> plaid yellow suit well i think that was like the background of the dvd menu and everything it's amazing oh yeah yeah i mean it's i it's iconic uh for, for sure probably i mean uh i know this is a team movie but as far as like costumes and looks go it has to be one of the most memorable costumes from the movies i would think definitely yeah so it's fair to say that i don't know you super well and it seems like we often interact with one another in convention halls at hotels yeah <laughs> but, but but we we definitely have why connections uh mainly through uh my wife whitney and uh, a mutual friend of ours jennifer hill who's actually been a guest on the podcast before uh but we know each other well enough to share at least a valentine's dinner and outing yeah. with one another <laughs> yes we, and we got to play ping pong and lay in a ping pong or a bathtub full of ping pong balls yes yeah, so how many of your friends asked you if those were ping pong balls or oranges <laughs> i think everyone said ping pong but everyone was wondering why i got in there and if i needed to take a shower right away afterwards <laughs> so uh i went with whitney to a convention that sharon was at in washington dc and we went to this awesome ping pong bar and uh and it was on valentine's day and they just had this bathtub that was filled with ping pong balls and we the three of us just agreed that it was worthy of a photo opportunity and you breezed right over the dinner of chicken and donuts oh it's amazing what's the name of that place again uh farmers and distillers okay amazing amazing place i i think i've still had a lot of dreams about that place <laughs> since so coming good. home it's so good uh so uh let's go pass our driver's license test and head to beverly hills to discuss clueless oh get off of me oh as if Cher's got attitude about high school boys it's a personal choice every woman has got to make for themselves Cher is saving herself for luke perry Cher, you're a virgin? I mean, I'm not prude. I'm just highly selective. I mean, you see how picky I am about my shoes, and they only go on my feet. Nice stems. Thanks. Clueless is a 1995 American coming-of-age teen comedy film written and directed by Amy Heckerlin. It stars Alicia Silverstone with supporting roles by Stacey Dash, Brittany Murphy, and Paul Rudd in his film debut. It is loosely based on Jane Austen's 1815 novel, Emma, with a modern-day setting of Beverly Hills. The plot centers on a beautiful, popular, and rich high school student who befriends a new student and decides to give her a makeover while playing a matchmaker for her teachers and examining her own existence. Meanwhile, she is also searching for love in a nonchalant way, which leads her to fall for her ex-stepbrother, Josh, who's played by Rudd. The film grossed $56.1 million in the United States, has received positive reviews from critics and is considered to be one of the best teen films of all time. 
Clueless has developed a cult following and has a continuing legacy. The film was followed by a spinoff television sitcom and series of books. So uh, before we dive into this, did you watch the television show? I did because it was on TGIF and I was, you know, 13 years old when the movie came out and just, you know, right around that age that all those things were what we were watching. I did not enjoy the TV series. I think it was more of I just watched it because it was on. It was, I think, the last block of TGIF. But um, and it was just weird having a different share. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember who played that share? I don't remember her name. Um, she was she was good. She was just different. She didn't have the same like heart and soul that Alicia Silverstone had. <laughs> well, I was surprised that to see that it ran from 1996 to 1999, which is you know a decently long time. So Rachel Blanchard played Cher. Okay. Um, I can't say that I recognize the name. I'm looking real quick to see what else. Oh, she was in the summer I turned pretty. We watched that show. In Fargo, um, Flight of the Concord. So she's done a lot of stuff. I just, uh, I, I don't recognize her right off the bat. But mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I, I digress. So what you, you mentioned when you saw this film, uh, why do you love Clueless so much? So I, like I said, I was 13 years old and in eighth grade when this came out. So I feel like I was the perfect age for Clueless. Um, you know, it was something that I feel like dictated a lot of how my friends and I talked. Um, so many, like I wrote down so many quotes from this movie as I was watching it because I said, these are all things that I felt like I said in my everyday life. And I still say some of those phrases to this day. So it's just one of those movies that I remember going to the dollar theater to see it. We, we never went to the full price theater in my family. We always <laughs> went to the dollar theater. So I had to wait for it to come out. Um, but we went to the dollar theater a couple of times and then we had HBO and we taped it off of HBO so I could watch it whenever I wanted to. So you're doing a little illegal, illegal uh, copying there. That's amazing. I, I'm glad you said that. I, I, sadly, I'd almost forgotten the concept of the dollar movie theater. Uh, I'd loved, we, we had the same in my hometown. We had a dollar movie theater and that's probably where we saw a lot of films <laughs> for a lot of even movies that we knew weren't good, but just because it was a dollar, you, you would go and watch them. Definitely. We had 50 cent Tuesdays. So we would go, and especially <laughs> in the summertime. I feel like we went to the movies at least once a week. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I guess now with, especially with the digital age and stuff, you know, there's not even that gap anymore with movies. It's like they're out for like three weeks and then it seems like they're available on demand all, you know, all of a sudden, you know, so uh, yeah, that there was a theater here in Norman for, it, it was always known as a dollar theater. It shut down for a while, then it came back open. And I thought, I thought it was great because it showed like some of the new releases, but they also had some, they would show like Labyrinth, uh, that movie from the eighties and oh, like, yeah. They, they, yeah. And so it was fun to take the girls, but it, it didn't last very long. It, all of a sudden it just shut down. Uh, it seemed like something really shady was going on in the background of it. But uh, I think that's the last glimpse of a dollar theater that I'll ever see. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, like you, um, I, I, I probably, I know like I saw a clueless, like, you know, I, I don't know exactly when it came out, but I mean, I definitely, I definitely saw it, but um, I mean, like you said, it definitely had an impact. I'm sure adults just were like shaking their heads watching it, especially with all the likes and whatevers and as ifs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they probably thought that, uh, um, you know, what is this, what is this world coming to <laughs> watching this? Definitely. But I feel like this is almost like Dawson's Creek was to us a little bit. I feel like it, they were talking so like 
adult almost is I guess what I would call it. You know, to somebody who's 13 years old, everything they were saying sounded so adult. I think Ty even says that at one point, like you all talk like such adults. And it just, it was the same time as Dawson's Creek. And to me, in my head, Dawson's Creek was one of those things where I was like, man, they sound so adult. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think especially, uh, I think I was about your age as well as when this came out, but you know, <clears throat> it had to have this kind of allure of like, this is kind of what high school will be like. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. And driving and, you know, taking your driving tests and getting to drive a cool Jeep. That didn't happen for me. <laughs> me, me either for sure. But yeah. Um, it, I think one of the things that stands out about this for sure is the script. And uh, Amy Heckerling is famously known for past times at Richmond high. They came out in the early eighties. I think she went to high schools in the Beverly Hills area and just observed and got a lot of, you know, a lot of the dialogue just by uh, observing and stuff, which I think is really interesting because as, as catchy as all this stuff is, and of course she refined it, you know, to something that was very clear and concise. Uh, you can tell it's, um, I mean, dated now, but like for the time, for the moment it felt very authentic. It did. And, you know, I think this was kind of the end of the Valley Girl era, you know, yeah. of all the talking of Valley Girl. And so it kind of heightened that a little bit and brought it into a new age almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like uh, uh, who's a, uh, the lady who <laughs> observed gorillas, uh, uh, Goodell. Is that her last name? Jane, uh, Goodell. Jane Goodall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like she's, uh, it, it's like somebody kind of like observing the wild and like, you know, giving her interpretation of like what she's seen back to the masses. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's kind of interesting uh, how I, I think part of the reason is gained this cult status is not just because uh, this may be kind of, uh, you know, this was, you know, Clueless existed before the reality type of shows like the Hills and that sort of thing. So it was kind of this behind the scenes look of kind of a glamorous high school, like you mentioned, <laughs> like all the Jeeps and that sort of thing. Yeah. It was almost like a more realistic Beverly Hills on a two and O. Cause in my head, that was just so out there and outlandish. And this was like a more comedic, you know, maybe had a little more heart than that had. Oh yeah. No, no, I definitely agree. Cause I, I think, uh, I, I've watched it kind of funny enough. I think we, uh, we watched it with, uh, Hallie, uh, probably, I think it was in 2020 during the pandemic when like everybody was just finding all their old movies to watch. And so when I initially watched it, like I enjoyed it, but then uh, I watched it for this, but then there was another time that I watched it. And I think I have grown to appreciate it each time because it, you know, it's, it's very simple in its premise. Like, you know, it's not, uh, a very deep movie or trying to say a whole lot, but I think what I, I really appreciate it. And I don't know if this makes sense, but like Hallie can enjoy it like on her level as a 12 year old, like, you know how we enjoyed it when it first came out. But I think definitely being a little older now and an adult, you kind of enjoy it from a whole different perspective. You know, it's, I mean, it's bad to say that kind of relate to the dad a little, <laughs> a little yeah. bit now, but you can kind of see like, it's, it's kind of funny because the heckerling is like, she's kind of poking fun at this group, but she has a, a lot of affection for them. So as privileged as Cher is, I mean, you really do generally root for her because I think her heart is in the right place. Does that make sense? Yeah. She's, you know, she has some things going on around her. I think that, 
you know, amplify the world that she's in, but she deep down is just a good person. And, and like you, I also feel like I really related more to the teachers when I watched it the other day. Like, I don't remember liking the teacher love story so much. And now I'm looking at it saying, that's really sweet. And before that used to be, you know, the least of my worries when I watched it. I didn't really care about the teacher part so much. Right. I, I laughed. I don't know if this is an exact quote, but they say, uh, oh, old people can be so sweet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I like I, I like watching it because, you know, so much of and, and you you work uh, with a lot of teenagers, you know, they always they, they don't look into the future so much. It's just like in the present. You know, and that as an adult, you know, that's what we are constantly focused on is like things ahead of us. You know, we often we don't live in the present. And that's why I think this movie kind of, uh, you know, as much as much as shares life, like it seems so tragic when bad, you know, when things don't go her way. I think that's what I enjoyed watching is just like someone just living in the moment day by day. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And I think one of the things that I really appreciated about it when I watched it this time is it is a simple movie, but I didn't realize, you know, how many stories there were in the movie. There's so many, it's almost like these mini movies within there because it's so much focus on the teachers. And then it goes into the makeover with Ty. And I had even forgotten about Christian for a little bit when, you know, he came in. And so there's all of these little things and it's like they have this little mini part about this and then a mini part about something else. It's almost like how love actually has all those stories that blend together. It's almost like that a little bit. Oh yeah. I, I agree with you completely. That was something that really stood out to me this time, especially because I think since I'd seen it recently, I kind of uh, maybe looked into things a little bit deeper, but it's pretty amazing. Like, as you said, how many kind of B or C plots, um, even with like uh, Brecken Meyer's character, Travis, <laughs> you know, he's, got, he's got his own, his own like full little story arc. And, you know, probably if you totaled up the time he's on screen, it's not that significant, but um, it, it gives, uh, yeah, you're right. It gives all these characters like these moments to shine, so to speak. Oh yeah. I loved Brecken Meyer so much in this movie. And I know it was supposed to be all about, you know, Cher and her gang, but it just, it made me as a 13 year old really appreciate like the skater stoner kid. <laughs> yes, very much. Yeah. It, to, to see, to see that, you know, anything in, I mean, even as adults, but mainly in high school, you know, you always get, uh, you know, sidled as, you know, something right. Like a, a characteristic and you don't look into the like real person. And that's, you know, something that Cher discovers, you know, about Travis and other people that they're more than just their, you know, appearance or what they seem to be into. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, I think it's a really sweet moment where the, her and Ty just go to his skating competition and support him. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It was really cute. And that she also realized that Ty didn't need to, every part of her made over either. She could still retain some of who she was. Uh, right. So you saying that about the supporting characters, I have a question to pose to you. Uh, do you see this movie more as a teen coming of age movie or more uh, as a romantic comedy? So I, I will preface this by saying that I think that the the romance between Cher and uh, Josh kind of still freaks me out to this day. <laughs> so I prefer <laughs> more as like a teen comedy that has a little bit of romance in it. Um, I absolutely, you know, adore Paul Rudd, but to me that 
I didn't see it coming when I was watching the movie the first time as a 13 year old. And I remember being shocked by it then. And I still am a little weirded out by that part of it. So to me, the romance is not the most important part of it. Yes, I, I agree. It, we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit with uh, my the overall rom-com rankings and definitely like really analyzing it this time around, like watching this, you know, if, specifically for this podcast. Um, I think my overall rom-com rankings it will make this movie not quite as high as number four, even though I think so far it's one of the movies that is um, one of the better ones in my eyes. So there's, cause I, I I'm with you and a little bit is that relationship. Uh, and I was going to ask you <laughs> with Josh and, and like in the moment of watching it, I mean, they, you can kind of see, uh, you know, definitely like how that develops, but you still can't help but wonder like, how, how are you going to explain this to everyone? Yeah, it's it's very strange. I also wonder what her dad thinks about it. Right, right. Because, uh, and I, I was trying to watch it this time as like as if he, you know, he doesn't ever get that one like really snooty lawyer kind of like you know uh, gets onto Josh about it and that kind of thing. But you know, the dad never seems they don't really seem to address that <laughs> that part of it that he's onto their uh, you know their flirt you know flirtation. <laughs> Yeah, he's more thinking of Josh as being the big brother and looking out for Cher. And I I have a feeling that he would not take the news so well. <laughs> no, I don't, think, I don't think anybody would, regardless if you're a parent or not. So um, as far as the uh, Christian storyline at the time, do you remember being uh, thrown off by that kind of subplot that he's uh, that he's gay? So I wrote down remembering being totally shocked that he was gay when that came out and it took a while for it to come out at the end because everything that Murray's saying all the the slang he's saying yeah. about him being the cake boy and whatever like all of that stuff i i was 13 years old from lynchburg virginia like very small town i didn't know what any of that was and all of a sudden they said it and i was like oh <laughs> and so i totally just didn't even get that i think that it's something that you know, I'm glad it was in there because I feel like it exposed a lot of people to something they may not have noticed or seen. And I mean, Cher was a lot like I wish she was probably naive and didn't even, you know, think about that. I didn't notice him flirting with all the guys when they're at the club watching the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Right. <laughs> you know, all of those things as a 13 year old, I was just like, oh, he's just hanging out. Maybe that's what cool people do at clubs. And now I'm watching like, duh, Sharon, why didn't you get this? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I love, I love the scene of when he just comes over and interacts with her dad. I just think that's like just a great just a great moment <laughs> regardless yes. yeah um and do you so, love billy holiday i love him <laughs> uh, uh speaking of so you mentioned the uh, quotes like i mean i i wrote down of course there's just you know as if is like the huge one um where are some other ones that really stand out to you so one that we use all the time was i totally paused we use that because that's when they say when they're in the car at the beginning when they run through the stop sign. So I totally pause. We all would say that all the time when we were driving around. Um, I think we said a Betty, a Monet, you know, all of those things we would say. Um, duh, Cliff's Notes, we would also work into a lot of things when I was in high school. Um, every time I say the word sporadically or see the word sporadically somewhere, I think of Clueless immediately because 
of um, how it's used in there. Um, and one of my favorite things that we um, would always say was, there goes your social life about the balls coming at Amber's face. <laughs> so, so funny. And I, I want to encourage people to actually go onto IMDb and look up the quotes because I was just reading through it. And I remember, I mean, there's so many that like, I remember even laughing at when I was watching this, but just reading them. I mean, it, they're so, they're so funny. It's, it, it's such a, such a clever script. Um, I, I have to give Whitney credit to this one because she's always said it for whatever, but she she's always said, roll in with my homies. Yeah, you have to you have to throw in the uh, arm motion with it. So and I apologize to everybody for my singing. It's uh, really, really, <laughs> really, really bad. Uh, but yeah, no. And I, I think there's just there's just moments of dialogue here that have caught on. And it's so funny. I, I forgot to mention that, like clueless just having the staying power i mean it's really had a moment of like uh when actually when you know we were in dc in february was when the super bowl was on and did you did you happen to maybe not that night but did you catch the super bowl commercial that with alicia silverstone i saw it after the fact because we we were we were in a place where we couldn't hear and really see much when we were watching the super bowl so um, yeah. i did see it afterwards i just i love her i love that she pokes fun at this a lot and you know she still seems to show a lot of affection for this oh yeah for sure and it's 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 kind of fun i rewatched it today just to kind of i remember kind of seeing it here and there but i don't think i ever really truly sat down to watch it and i mean it's really short you know but uh, she, she just embodies that character so well and gives all the looks and then also i don't know if you saw uh, back in october i'm a big fan of donald face on because uh, i listened to his podcast uh fake doctors royal friends <laughs> with zach braff they recap scrubs and stuff but for halloween he dressed up as his character from this movie and his daughter wilder dressed up as uh, dion and it was <laughs> super super cute did you happen to catch that i did not catch that but i would love to see it. i feel like this movie just has so many amazing actors in it who have gone on to do such amazing things and i love seeing all of them as young actors in this whenever i go back and rewatch it oh yeah for sure i mean we've mentioned uh you know Brittany murphy but uh also you know i i was a big fan of breckenmeyer like you were in the you know the movies that he was in and jeremy sisto who plays i Elton. love i love him so much in suburgatory so much oh remind me is it remind me of that suburgatory was the one where he had a daughter named tess i think it is played by jane levy yes and they moved to the suburbs and like just the ridiculousness of all the suburbs moving from new york city to the suburbs it was so good and alicia silverstone was on it too that's right i, I had completely forgotten about that uh, about that show yeah it that was good aired for two seasons so it, the first season was really good it got picked up for a second and then it just died yeah. a really quiet death <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i remember especially that tends to happen a lot with those kind of quirky uh quirky shows <laughs> well and he was such like a hot dad in that yeah you know because yeah. he went from being elton who elton is such a jerk in this movie i absolutely hate elton so much and you know he's just always worried about the cranberries he's singing the cranberries everything's about the cranberries and he's just so rude and then he's such a cute dad in suburgatory 
<laughs> um, speaking of, I was going to go into like some of your favorite scenes, but I mean, this one wasn't my favorite, but this was something we talked about. But there's that moment where Cher is trying to get, you know, Ty, you know, closer to Elton and they were taking those uh, group pictures. And mm -hmm. Whitney said, yeah, we used to do that all the time. Uh, just taking, is that something <laughs> that you and your friends did? Oh, a hundred percent. And then you'd have to take the film and drop it off somewhere and wait for days to get it back. So you never knew if you got a good shot or not. So I feel like teens nowadays don't understand the agony of having to finish the roll of film. So like you would have to take a bunch of pictures so you could finish it. Uh, what are some of your other favorite scenes? So I love the computer wardrobe at the beginning. That is something I still would love in my life. And it seemed so outlandish back then, but now you know, with the way closet systems are and things like that, it's very much a reality for some people. You don't even have to live in Beverly Hills to have something really nice like that. So every time I see that, I really want to do a closet makeover to get something like what she has. I know. Yeah. It, it, pretty amazing. I, I mean, how many apps are out there now, <laughs> you know, that probably have that, you know, that has that feature. Definitely. I loved that. Um, the freeway scene where Dion's driving on the freeway. I remember when I went to LA in 2019, I had to rent a car because I was going to go um, see a TV show filmed and I had to drive there because of how late it was going to be and things like that. And I had to have friends give me a pep talk about driving on the freeway because all I could imagine in my head was Dion almost dying on the freeway. Yeah, Yo, you're getting on the freeway. What? No, turn right. Oh, get out of the lane. Wait, wait, no, no, no. Okay. Oh, okay. Get the procedure. Just oh. get out of the lane. So it was just one of those things that has stuck with me for so long that it really did give me fear about driving. And I did it just fine. I didn't die. Everything was lovely on the freeway. Um, but it definitely was in the back of my head as I was driving. <laughs> yeah, I I had that scene written down as well. I mean, it's it's a pretty iconic scene and it just makes me think so uh, I don't know if you spent a lot of time in, uh, in Texas, but I was from, I'm from Longview, Texas, which is an East Texas town. And it's about two and a half hours East of Dallas. Anyway, it, it kind of reminds me of learning to drive <laughs> in that traffic and the way, uh, you know, semi getting like barreled down on you <laughs> in those type of moments. Definitely. It was terrifying. Um, and I think the other one um, that I really love is I love the scene where she comes down in the white dress and um, her, you know, her dad's, what are you wearing? It's a dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. <laughs> yeah, that to me is just such an iconic. I feel like that was in the trailer probably. Uh, but that to me is just such an iconic scene that I feel like everybody has said at some point in their life, everyone runs it in their head at some point in their life. It's just, it's such an iconic thing that is clueless to me. Yeah, it, it's funny. Uh, not too long ago, we covered uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. And it feels like, you know, especially watching this now, you know, that movie, I think, was trying to steal a lot of elements of what made this movie work. Uh, one, including uh, the the daughter who does not have a mom in her life and, and is has a dad who is a little overbearing, but also loving and wise at the same time. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I enjoy any interaction between those two, I think, you know, I guess maybe being a dad now, I, I really appreciate and not that it necessarily stood out to me, but just, you know, montages seem to be so popular in movies in nineties and especially in teen movies, you always had the kind of, it seemed like the makeover montage and that, that, that stood out to me as she's uh, helping Ty, you know, uh, with her makeover. 
Definitely. And, you know, the the red hair coming out, you know, the, the, the dye coming out of her hair. I remember just watching that over and over and seeing all the red dye and her hair was still pretty red afterwards. But um, just seeing all of that come out and, you know, anytime when they're all trying on clothes, like any of that, it's just to a 13 year old. That's amazing. That's what I wanted to be doing was just going to the mall and trying on clothes. <laughs> and I, I think personally, probably any moment to me also is I mentioned like shares interactions with her dad, but anytime she's in her debate, in her debate class, I, I really just love those moments because she's always so confident in what she's saying, no matter how wrong it is. Share two minutes. So, okay. Like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? But it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? I said RSVP because it was a sit-down dinner. But people came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, redistribute the food, squish in extra place settings, but by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. And in conclusion, may I please remind you that it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Thank you very much. Well, and I feel like, you know, Whitney and I do a lot of things with students in debate, and I feel like she and I would be sitting at the back of the room just like banging our heads on the on the table if we had our students saying that at some of our debate competitions that we go to. But, you know, I, I still sometimes in my conversations will say, you know, and it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty, you know, so there's so many of those things that are ridiculous, but I guess, you know, if you look at what the assignment was, she wasn't too far off. <laughs> no, no. She was she, using her life experience to amplify whatever the topic was. So, hey, good for her. Movie musings. What is one of your most regrettable fashion choices from the 90s? Oh, my gosh. I had a shirt. Like, everything was a baby doll shirt, you know, back then. And it was really popular to have, like, the ringer, you know, around the arms and the, the neck and everything. And I had this shirt that had these, what were those? You know those things that like if you move them, like you could see different things on them almost. Like <laughs> yeah. it had faces on it with that. And it was just the weirdest shirt. And I thought it was so cool at the time, but I wore that thing all the time. And looking back, I'm like, that shirt is really dumb. So that, and then I had this like chartreuse green silk button down shirt that I just thought was the epitome of everything that was amazing. It was from JC Penny. And my mom wouldn't let me buy it. So I went to the mall with one of my friends and her mom said, I'll buy it for you because I don't want my daughter to be the only one wearing this ugly shirt. So we both had those. And God, looking back, they are terrible. They're absolutely awful. But in the 90s, they were awesome. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you you also, we were talking about the freeway scene. Uh, I have to ask you, do, are you a good driver? I, I have never, I'm not being on wood right now. I've never had a ticket, never been in an accident. Um, I am a very safe driver, according to my insurance company. <laughs> nice. Very good. Yeah. I, I forgot how much of the car aspect played into this movie. Uh, you know, uh, just her trying to get her license and, you know, the freeway scene. And uh, what, what does she say when she, uh, she runs into something? <laughs> it's, a, it's a famous line as well, but. 
Um, when she just goes, oops, should I, should I leave a note? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the scene where she'd get her license is the way she scrapes all those parked cars uh, just kills me every, every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's, she's a pretty terrible driver. And, you know, all the tickets she keeps getting and her dad showing you, this is the third notice for this ticket. And yeah, I remember seeing all that and being like, oh my gosh, my parents would murder me. <laughs> um so a, a lot of the any team movie it doesn't matter where usually hits on you know the the, the social ladder of that in high school and so uh, where were you in in that landscape of uh high school i was such a band nerd um i was an academic nerd and a band nerd um so you know in all of the ap classes and things like that and um was actually captain of the drum line in high school so um very very into music so most of my social life was with people who are in band or in my classes now did you, did you go to a, a big high school uh, pretty small. So, I mean, small compared to a lot of the ones around here. So about 160, maybe in my graduating class. Oh, okay. Okay. So I kind of, kind of hard to hide a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah. We knew every, I mean, I had known everybody. We had two elementary schools that fed into a middle school that fed into a high school. So okay. you know, we'd known everybody forever and, you know, it was rare that we had new people coming in. So, um, a lot of people I've known since we were very young. Do you, uh, do you still stay connected uh, to your high school friends? Some of them, yeah. Um, not a whole lot. Most everybody's moved away. Um, so, you know, a lot of us are connected on Facebook and things like that. Um, but um, when they're not coming to town very often, it's kind of hard to, to catch up. But it's nice to see people around. And, you know, sometimes you'll see people at the store or if they're in town for the holidays. Um, you know, we used to have a bar in town that was pretty popular around the holidays where you'd see everybody. Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think a lot of times we'd spend so much time together that a lot of us left to go to college and kind of just found our people there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you done the whole high school, uh, reunion thing? I have not been able to go to any of my high school reunions cause I've always had board meetings on those weekends. So I have not been able to attend. Um, so, and I think, you know, Facebook has really ruined high school reunions. Um, oh. I think that used to be really, you know, it was all about going to see how everybody's changed and what they were doing. And now it's just like, cool, I know everything about you, but I haven't talked to you in 10 years. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I went to I went to a rather large uh, high school. And so uh, there's a Facebook group and I think they tried to do a reunion at some sort. Uh, and I, I don't know how successful that was, but I mean, even... Uh, like a, a lot of the friends that I had, you know, no longer live in my hometown. And it was kind of like, I would love, I would love to see them, but you know, I, I kind of understood where like everybody was because of social media. And I think you're right. Like I think social media has definitely destroyed that. So, cause even if a name popped into my head right now, chances are I could find them and see what they look like now, which I think was a lot of the appeal of their, <laughs> their reunion before social media was around. Yeah, seeing who's gained weight, who's lost weight, who looks better, who looks worse. Yeah, well, I I did go uh, with Whitney to her both her ten year and twentieth year uh, reunions, but definitely the ten year. Like, I really kind of enjoyed it because I didn't know any of these people, <laughs> so I could just kind of <laughs> sit back and observe. And it was so funny. And I I'm just I guess I'm throwing Whitney under the bus here, but 
like you can even though i didn't know all these friends of hers you could see that everybody just melted into their roles in high school including like whitney it was very it was very odd but it's just it's so funny how like everybody just kind of retreats to those dynamics and just like how this movie you know has all these groups you could just see these groups just went off and did the same thing that they did in high school it's amazing they, they definitely did and i think you know one of the things is you know all these movies about high school make you think that like high school is like the best time of your life i mean i had a great time in high school i had great friends i had great activities all of that but i feel like post high school i have really blossomed and like found who i am and i didn't really do that in high school in high school i was following a formula doing what i thought i needed to do and you know just working hard to try and get you know into college and all of those things and i really feel like i was able to relax and come into myself in college so it was kind of funny you know struggling it wasn't really a struggle i guess in you know quotes but you know you always see these things in these movies about how high school is the time of your life and you're gonna you know figure out who you are by the time you're a senior and that was not at all true in my case rom-com rankings i'm a little ashamed of how i kind of ranked <laughs> this movie because i don't want it to take away from how like a how enjoyable I think this movie is and funny. So the first category I have, and we kind of hit on this a little bit, is the the romantic chemistry between the leads. So <laughs> between Cher and her stepbrother, uh, what what heart rating do you give to their relationship? So I gave it like a two point five because <laughs> I do think they're very cute together. If they just weren't related, it would be so much better. But there's still just that ick factor in there now dion um and murray i could give a much higher rating to them and ty and uh travis i could give a much higher rating to them but they're not the leads right uh, i agree with you yeah i i don't think we need to tread the uh, icky factor <laughs> much more than what we have already but uh i i i gave them three hearts just because you know there it, it does it does click a little bit, but I, you know, just thinking about, I, I just don't think it, I, I don't even know if it lasts beyond their kiss on the stairs, honestly. Well, I guess there's the wedding scene at the end. So there's some, you know, I guess there were some legs to that a little bit, but not even the, um, I mean, I know their ages aren't that far apart, you know, technically, but still the concept of a high schooler with someone, you know, post-college or is kind of, kind of icky in itself. Yeah, I mean, I'm imagining she's, what, 15, 16, so she's a sophomore or junior in high school, and he's definitely in college, um, so definitely a bit of a gap there, which is a lot, I think, at that age. <laughs> yeah, you know, talking through this now, I, I think I'm going to get down on your level and <laughs> move it to 2.52, <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, but that's what, what, what we talked about. I don't think that's what really makes this movie memorable or carries the you know carries the movie uh so the, the the second category is the best friend so uh who would you consider in the best uh friend role would it be dion and ty i would put both of them there probably um and you know i just i love her and dion's relationship i think they're so funny together and they're good for each other and um, I just, I really like the two of them together. And I think that the Ty relationship, you know, it started off with her trying to change Ty and then ended with her really allowing Ty to be herself, like this new improved version of herself. So I really thought they were good. And I thought the whole ensemble was good too. Yeah. Um, 
So, so what what ranking would you give uh, these friendships? I gave them a five. I like them a lot. Oh, they were yeah. they were what I loved as a thirteen year old. I remember just thinking like, man, these these girls are awesome. Wow, that yeah, that's pretty high. I I I gave them I gave it a three, not because not anything in particular. I I like them a lot, but you know, it's definitely their roles are not what I remember. It's like when I watch this movie, I'm like, Oh yeah, there's, you know, like you mentioned, there's this subplot and there's this subplot. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I, I did like the quote where Cher says she, she uh, referring to Dion. She's my friend because we both know what it's like for people to be jealous of us. Uh, so I mean, anytime you have that connection with somebody, you know, you're on the same wavelength. I well, guess they're also named after 70s singers, right? Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. And we, we have to talk a little bit about the the fight that they have um, and the major insult uh, Ty throws Cher's way. But um, I mean, I, I like that scene because it seems like a realistic fight uh, that would happen. And the insult is, you know, comic as far as, you know, you, <laughs> you're not, you can't drive and well, what is it? You're um, a virgin who can't drive. <laughs> I mean, it's comedic, but it's also like, I mean, so hurtful at the same time. It's a very that, effective scene. That is teenage girl. I mean, if you're not there yet, you're going to get there. I'm sure that's teenage girl in a nutshell. I, girl, girl friendships. I'm learning a lot right now. I mean, gosh. <laughs> They're your um, best friend one day and the next day you can't stand them. And then two days later, you love them again. It's, it's horrible. How how do you all go through life? <laughs> like that? I don't know, but somehow we survive, right? <laughs> uh, all right. So what about the the soundtrack uh, to this movie? I, I remember I remember it definitely being kind of a soundtrack that people owned. Like it was definitely a thing you always saw in the stores. And so uh, I, I listened to it the past couple of days. Uh, how, how do you rank it? So when I was first thinking about it before I rewatched it recently, I was thinking, you know, there's a couple of songs in there, but I don't remember ever listening to the soundtrack. But then, you know, listening to the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and No Doubt and Coolio and the song Shoot is like my karaoke song. That's oh, my yeah, yeah. like 90s karaoke song. There's so many good songs on this. So I don't think I ever actually listened to the soundtrack, but listening to the songs that are in the movie. I mean, I would give this like a good four, four and a half because it's such good 90s music. And some of it was emerging at the time, like no doubt was not overly huge at the time. Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, you know, were just getting really big. So it was it had some things on there that I think, um, you know, really were staples of the 90s. Right. Yeah, um, I think. I, I gave it a solid three and a half. I think there's like some songs on there that are really good. A lot of the actual like soundtrack itself are a lot of really good artists <laughs> with songs that you don't, some of their lesser known <laughs> songs. There's like Counting Crows uh, are on there and uh, Radiohead. Uh, but there's definitely, um, I, I think it opens up the movie, but the Kids in America song, I mean, yeah. is super uh, familiar and, uh, uh, All Right by Supergrass is a great song. Um, uh, I the song Supermodel that kind of closes out the movie. I use that. I use that for uh, somebody's slideshow that I edited one time. So I know that song really well because <laughs> I, I, I listened to it over and over. So I think Hallie looked at me like, "Why do you know the words of this song?" <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, it's a good one. It's if you listen to it. I mean, like a lot of soundtracks do. I mean, this definitely is just like, hey, you want to know what. 95 sounded like <laughs> this is this is it so uh yeah and especially as you mentioned 
uh, on the soundtrack, but also making an appearance, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. <laughs> so, oh man, I love them so much. Yeah, and that's something also that things I hate about you kind of stole from this movie. There's a ska band at the prom in that in that movie, so that's kind of funny. Um, so the fourth category, uh, the chase scene or declaration of love. We we've already kind of <laughs> touched on the ickiness, but I, I guess it's the moment where uh, her and Josh are on the stairs. Uh, so, so I thought it was more of her walking around you know, as she's shopping and stuff. And then the fountain, when the fountain lights up and there's that big hit in the music and she realizes she loves Josh. Then suddenly, oh my God, I love Josh. That is so iconic to me. Like that is, that's what I was thinking of when I saw this. It was more of her declaring to herself that she loved Josh. Um, then kissing yes. upstairs, icky. The fountain, amazing. <laughs> right, right. So that, I mean, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. I do think that kind of when she start, uh, kind of the montage of these moments of her kind of realizing realizing this is very, uh, very memorable. Uh, so w what do you rank? I gave it a four for the fountain. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> very good. I, I once again, kind of, I, I went a little low. Like I said, I feel bad about this. But I, I, I gave it three hearts. Uh, to me, not a super, super Bowl memorable moment in this movie. It's more so I remember the movie as a whole, <laughs> not the not the ending. The ending's kind of I do like I do like the wedding at the end. I like how it kind of ties everybody back together again, and with the teachers getting married and stuff. And so, uh, but uh, okay, so the last one and uh, always ever important category the rewatchability of this movie I, I bet you i can guess what you give it <laughs> i mean 10 out of 5 right <laughs> <laughs> right yeah no i i gave it five and it's almost like every time uh, i've watched it it just becomes easier and easier uh to watch and it's it's really it's a pretty fast movie too yeah the, the movie i mean it's it's just a hair above 90 minutes but the movie is just super fast like we threw this on on a saturday morning and then it was like it was just over and we just <laughs> just enjoyed it. You know, it's, it, it, it's a really, it's a really fun watch that just, it's a movie that just really, just really moves. Like I, I, I was trying to think, I don't think there's many just wasted moments or scenes in this movie. No, it's so good. And I think that it's something that is aged. Well, we talked about it a little bit, but there's like one instance of the R word that made me go like, Ooh, yikes. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and so, you know, that that made me pause a little bit. But other than that, I feel like it's aged really well. Like nothing is so crazy out of date. I mean, the fashion is what it is, but um, I don't think there's anything in it that's so outrageous that we'd look at it today and say, oh, we can't watch this anymore. Any closing thoughts you have about the movie? Um, I think I'm with you that I don't know that this is necessarily a romantic comedy, but it is one of my all-time favorite movies. When you when you showed me the list of movies to watch, I immediately, I think Clueless was the first one I sent to you and said, like, I love Clueless. I want to have an excuse to watch Clueless again and not just be that weird, you know, 40-year-old watching Clueless again. So um, thank you for giving me an excuse to watch it again because I love it so much. Oh, no. Yeah, no, of course. And I think if anything, there's no shame, you know, watching it in your 40s because I, like I said, I, I enjoyed watching it just like, oh, yeah, what? how great it was just to kind of live in the moment and not have you know, any care in the world as far as, you know, just what was happening around you at in the moment, you know, but yeah, uh, I still want, I still want Cher's hair. I made notes about that and saying like, I still want to have her hair. Like, 
even today, like I still feel like her hair is very fashionable and I love that. Um, so, you know, that to me is something that as I was watching, I just kept saying, I really want to have the hair. And one thing I don't think we've talked about is, I don't know if you noticed this, but I noticed, did you notice how her fashion really changed throughout the movie? Um, yeah, she kind of gets a, a little more casual, doesn't she? She gets a little more almost mature because when she's doing the um, the Pismo Beach relief effort stuff, she's wearing like a cardigan and something. And it's almost like she's dressing more mature as mm -hmm. she mellows out about love a little bit. I don't know if that was intentional by the you know people working on the film, if the costume folks made her a little less flashy and a little less you know bizarre in her fashion. But um I would note I noticed that this time. I don't know that I've noticed it a whole lot before, but I, I made a note of that and said that I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think she was definitely as a character getting down on uh Josh's level, you know, and his laid backness. And uh, you know, I always notice, especially coming from a big 12 country, the uh, KU hat he wears in the film and stuff like that. And so I I no, I think it's definitely done on purpose of kind of showing that maturity, but also kind of connecting more you know, with the person she, she's, you know, starting to like. <laughs> Definitely. So it just, it ages well. And um, I'll, I'll be showing this. I only have boys, but I will be showing it to my boys at some point. They probably won't love it, but I'm going to make sure my kids know clueless. Cause I feel like it's an important thing to know. Well, I, I would love to hear what their reaction is uh, to it. I think, I think if you can actually get them to uh, sit down. And I think once it gets started, I bet they'd be into it. She does a rare feat of where like kind of girls want to be her, but guys also like her as well in this movie. So definitely. And I feel like she's also probably had a really hard time moving on because she just is share. And I remember watching like excess baggage after this and a couple of other things that she did. And it's so hard to get her out of my mind as share. And so that could have you know, harmed her career because I just every even now when I see her, you know, as a what fifty year old, she's probably about fifty. Even when I see her, she still shared to me no matter what. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, uh, she she was on. I, she, uh, I was looking at her IMDb, but I did remember this for sure. Um, Netflix revived the Babysitter Club uh, franchise, and yes. I heard that the I heard the TV show was pretty good. But she plays a mom in that show. <laughs> but so, she plays Elizabeth. If you have not watched that, Nathan, you would love it. It's so good. It's so cute. I mean, I I'm nostalgic because I read all the books growing up. But I feel like your girls would love it if they haven't. Well, watched it. no, ha Hallie loved it, and I think her and Whitney uh, watched the whole series together. And I think it became one of those shows. Not that I didn't think uh, I'd like it, but uh, it's kind of like one of those that like. Uh, sorry, I've got to go record this podcast. Yeah, you guys watch that. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, yeah. again, I was the creepy 40-year-old watching The Babysitter's Club by myself when, it, like, the day it dropped on Netflix because those those movies or those books were so iconic in my life. They're kind of, like, clueless to me. That, like, Babysitter's Club was always there during my developmental years. Recommendations. Recommendations. For the recommendation section, is there anything that you've been watching or enjoying lately? So um, I've been doing a rewatch of Kimmy Schmidt because I feel like it's been a while since I've watched that. But my new find that I have loved lately that I know you have watched, because I think I saw you post about it on Facebook, is Jury Duty. I am obsessed with Jury Duty. It's so great. Did you finish it? 
I did. I did. I love it. And it's funny. I did jury duty in December <laughs> and I was so excited. I've always wanted to be called for jury duty. I finally got it. I got on this case that was very bizarre because it happened on my birthday. And you can see my house in the background of the body cam footage of this thing because it happened near my neighborhood and the police had her meet in our neighborhood because it was a safe area, the victim of the crime. So it was a very weird experience being on jury duty and then watching him go through it and just all the crazy things that happened it was so fun watching it that's a that's hilarious i <laughs> I, I i don't want to say i've uh, haven't had the privilege of being <laughs> called a jury duty. I did it early on right out of college, but like I arrived at the courthouse, waited for a long time and they dismissed, like, I think the case got settled. So, uh, I didn't have to go any further into the process. So, uh, but, uh, knock on wood, I haven't had that happen, but that's hilarious that <laughs> That footage was right outside your house. Yeah, it was. And I don't because I said you'd think I'd remember on my birthday if there were police cars outside of my house. But I don't remember that at all. But, you know, I just I feel like being being a juror is one of those things I've always wanted to do. And it was so fun to do it. And then to watch him. I mean, he clearly volunteered to do this. And then just seeing everything, the scenes at Margaritaville cracked me up. Oh, so funny. Definitely check it out. Uh, check out Jerry Dewey. Um, uh, what I had, uh, I don't know if you've seen this or not, um, but we've been watching, uh, uh, we've been watching single drunk female, uh, which is, you can find it on Hulu, but it's also part of Freeform. Have you ever heard, heard of this show? I have not. Tell me more. Okay. So it stars Sophia Black Delia. I'm going to say that's how you say her last name. Uh, and <laughs> speaking of, uh, actresses we grew up with who now play moms ali sheedy plays her mom uh famously okay. she's from the breakfast club but mm -hmm. um basically it, it's about a, a young woman in her 20s who's an alcoholic and it's kind of a comedy drama uh flair uh it seems like each season's uh 10 episodes we just finished the first season the second season just came out um and at first like at first i was kind of worried that um, I thought maybe the show was going to be like, oh, this girl who's always drunk and like poking fun of it. But it's actually a movie that uh, really takes a serious look at alcoholism. But it's also mm -hmm. it's um, I, I think it's a great show. It shows uh, how tough that journey is uh, to recovery. But um, it almost me just describing it makes it more serious <laughs> than it is it's just a very sweet story but it also has a lot of comedic elements to it too and a lot of characters and um i i think they handle the subject matter very delicately and with respect and um you know fortunately i i haven't ever had to deal with alcoholism but i think everybody has known somebody or a family member who has dealt with that before and i think uh it has a really good representation of that uh, that process and anyway that's it's a show i'm really enjoying i think i think you'd like it a lot yeah i'll have to watch that. i think that it's really important to have shows that handle those issues really well just to show people that it's okay and that it's normal so i think that's um, a good recommendation yeah, yeah. So I just remember when it was first advertised, it kind of was playing with those comedic elements at the beginning. This isn't ruining anything of like her running into a car and, you know, and her going, oh, look what I did, you know, or whatever like that. And so you're like, oh, that kind of seems weird. But it's really like they kind of get that out of the way the first episode. And it's really more about just her trying to grow into uh, actual, you know, responsible human being. <laughs> yeah. Next week, we'll be covering the 1986 Spike Lee joint. She's got to have it. Uh, this is one of the few films that I haven't seen on the list. 
And even though I'm a fan of Spike Lee and his films, I can tell you nothing about this movie. <laughs> I don't know who's in it or anything like that. Have you happened to see that movie? I don't think I've ever even heard of it. So I am of no help to you. Yeah, I, yeah. I was four years old when it came out. So not on my radar. Yeah. So uh, actually, uh, my, my sister's going to join me on the podcast to talk about that one. And she uh, apparently they adapted the movie recently into a Netflix series. And so she watched that series, but I don't think she's seen the movie either. So um, I think that'll be fun. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of Spike Lee's like bigger movies, you know, uh, do the right thing is actually one of my favorite films uh, and Malcolm X and that sort of thing. But, you know, to have a romantic comedy, you know, I didn't even know Spike Lee <laughs> created a romantic comedy. So it should be uh, interesting uh, to catch up on. Well, and it's definitely interesting to have a different perspective of something that's brand new. You know, it's a 1980s movie that's brand new to you. It's not something that you have nostalgia for. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be uh, interesting to analyze that. So, um, but as always, uh, check out moviesarelife.com for episode reviews and more. If you love the podcast, please take a moment to rate and review it. Uh, this will really helps us with finding new listeners. And uh, once again, I want to thank you uh, for coming on and especially being in the different time zones. And I have kept you up really late. <laughs> no, it is. It is fine. This is, again, anything is worth it to talk about Clueless. <laughs> well um thanks again uh, everybody for listening thanks for coming on and uh remember to be careful while driving on those freeways <laughs>